Welcome to Compare to Who, the podcast to help you stop comparing and start living. I'm your host, Heather Creekmore. I hate to admit this, but I used to secretly obsess over my appearance. I thought it was part of my job as a woman to always look better, but never felt like I could be good enough. Maybe you can relate. God, in His grace, showed me a way out, and I want to give you all the tools you need to break free too. If you've ever spent too much time stressing over your looks, I get it. I hope you'll keep listening and find the same freedom I have. Here are three other things you should know about me. I'm a minivan driving mom of four. I'm author of the book Compared to Who and The Burden of Better. I'm a blogger at ComparedToWho.me, and you just may have seen my epic big fail on Netflix. If you've ever struggled with comparison or body image issues, Compared to Who is the show for you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and hey, tell a friend about it. Hey there, welcome to the Compared to Who show. I'm Heather Creekmore, and I'm so glad that you are listening today. I know it's almost Thanksgiving. Today, we're going to go someplace hard, but you need to know about this. And I want you to know about this before your kids come home for Thanksgiving break. Okay, my heart is to be an encouragement to you. And so today, we're going to talk about what our kids are really up against. We know the issues we have body image, comparison issues, all the things. Oh, but our kids, our precious kids are facing so many things that were never even conceived of when we were their age. And so friends, listen today, because we're going to talk about the war against our girls. And even if you don't have a daughter, even if you don't have a granddaughter, Hey, you need to know what's going on around you because you've got friends who need some help and encouragement. And so today for our conversation, I have invited my friend Yvette Hampton on this show. Hi, Yvette. Hi, Heather. It's so good to be with you. It's great to be with you too. Yvette, does pretty amazing, cool things. And I'll tell you about that later in the show. But what you need to know right now is Yvette, you're kind of a girl expert, right? Like, (laughs) (laughs) is there such a thing? I don't know. I think so. (laughs) But you, you come from a world of girls. You have two daughters, you have sisters, uh, I'll, and I'll let you fill that in a little bit more, but you and I hung out this summer because if that's a podcaster too, and we just had a tremendous conversation about girls and what our girls are facing. And Yvette is really tuned into what's happening in our schools and in the culture around us. And I thought who better than to come on and talk to me about this stuff. So Yvette, you come from a world of girls. Tell us I just do. a little bit about your background and yeah. uh, what, what you've been up to. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, it's so fun to actually, we're, we're recording by video, um, even though most won't see the video, but it's so fun to actually see your face. Cause it's been a few months since we've seen each other. Um, and yes, I come from a world of girls. I have one sister, um, no brothers. I have two daughters and I have five nieces. And so I no nephews, no brothers, no sons, like literally it's just straight up estrogen all the way around. <laughs> and I love it. I I would really love to have a boy. I mean, I hear, you know, the word on the street is that it's really fun to have sons and to have boys in the house that they make life a little bit more interesting and different, Mm -hmm. but I just don't know what that's like. Uh, The closest I've gotten to that is that my husband has, he's the oldest of three boys. So he has two brothers. And so of course I've experienced that a little bit, but it's really fun. I, I love everything girly and I am a pretty girly girl through and Uh through. And and so are my girls. I remember when my oldest was born and just 
her closet was a sea of pink. Uh-huh. I mean, it was almost <laughs> like it almost would hurt your eyes because you're like, oh, the pink and the lace and the ruffles. And, but it's true. And, you know, I, I do, I look at what's going on in our culture and with our girls and uh, just everything that they are faced with and the burdens that they are carrying today, which are some, some are similar to what you mm-hmm. and I carried as kids, but some of them are so much deeper than what we ever have experienced because culture is so different today. There are so many resources for girls that we didn't have right. back then, you know, right. AKA the internet. <laughs> right. Right. Or social media. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I remember yeah. as a kid comparing myself to, you know, the limited access I had to magazines because I, I mean, I yeah. was probably like maybe 16 old enough to drive and go buy my own 17 magazines right. before I actually had like a 17 or a YM or a Vogue or a Glamour, right? right? Those are, you know, really edgy when, <laughs> when I was only high school age. Right. But like, it took a lot of effort and I didn't have this whole world to compare myself to. I just had, you know, models, people on TV, and then the right. few people I know at school. And then you add like this whole selfie thing. And yeah. someone told me recently that like, it's a thing. And I don't know, maybe this isn't a thing anymore, but it was a thing. Girls had to take a picture. Like you had to post a selfie every single day. Like that was kind oh. of a expectation that you would oh, do gosh. that, like a selfie every day. And I'm like, man, I don't like to get my picture taken every single day. Right. <laughs> <I can't imagine. laughs> and especially when you're a teenager and you're like, you know, there's days when you're going to have pimples and all the right. things, right? So like just this, this pressure, but it's deeper than that. Yeah. You know, like some of that we can relate to, but it's deeper than that. And, you know, our pastor has been going through this series at our church called a living Christian in a hostile world. Mm. Okay. And just kind of straight up sharing the truth that we no longer live in a culture that is friendly towards God and the things of God. And it's not, maybe friendly is too nice of a word even, because it's not that it's unfriendly. It's that it's downright hostile. Yes. Right. And so we are either being conformed into the image of God. We are either being transformed by his word to look more like Jesus or we are being deformed into the image of culture, right? Like we are on a different track. And as I was thinking about this on Sunday, as he was, he finished up the series, I was thinking like part of our problem as adults is this pull of secularization, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. this, I kind of, I know I should live and want to be like Jesus, but like secular culture is telling me that I should be hotter and I should have more things. And it's this like tug of war. Right. But I am 47 years old. (laughs) So it's one thing for me to be processing that. Yeah. But how in the world do our kids stand a chance against that? So what's being taught in our schools? Because I think that's where it's coming from. Culture is reflecting it, but I think it's coming from the schools. What, what are you seeing? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we, we are very entrenched in what's happening in culture and in public education, especially because we're seeing this trend of not just girls, it's really girls and guys and and humanity Mm -hmm. feeling like we're not good enough in every way. You know, it's, it's kind of weird because You've got social media telling people, you know, you matter, do you do what makes you happy and trying to push this agenda on kids, especially that they need to do whatever pleases them. Mm -hmm. And of course there's nothing new under the sun. So this has been for all of, all of history, but now it's just more present. It's more in our faces with social media and the internet. And so kids are constantly being fed these, these lies and these messages And it just is this kind of snowball effect where, you know, one girl might feel a certain way. And then she's got her friend who comes alongside her and she just 
affirms her and her feeling and her, mm. her, uh, you know, sin nature that tells her that she's not good enough. She's not pretty enough. Mm. And then they start looking at all of the things that they have access to, you know, e- even Pinterest, which seems so mm-hmm. innocent you go on Pinterest. Cause you just want to look at a hairstyle. You're just going to get your haircut. And all of a sudden you're looking at all the beautiful girls and mm-hmm. how, you know, I mean, these girls are not natural. I mean, some of them are, but you know, mm-hmm. many of them have been airbrushed and this and that. And it's, it's not just when you go to the store. And like mm-hmm. you said, it's not just looking at it in magazines. Like we used to, when we were kids, you and I are the same age. Well, actually, Actually, you're older than me if you're 47 already, because I'm not going to be 47 until next week. So, okay. Yeah. I got you by a solid six months. (laughs) So you and I really did grow up in the same generation of, like you said, you had to really go out seeking for the 17 magazine or the Vogue or whatever it is that you were, where you were getting your information from now it's everywhere. And not only is it happening through social media, but we've got the school system Mm-hmm. That's telling these kids the same thing. And it started, it was really interesting. Uh, we, we're a homeschool family. And so when we very first started schooling, it was because we didn't want our kids to be taught evolution. That mm-hmm. was a really big mm-hmm. deal to us. You know, yep. we wanted our kids to know that they were created by God on purpose for a purpose. And that was 11 years ago. Well, now it's gone so much further, so much deeper to where you've got the whole transgender movement coming in. I don't know if you're familiar with GLSEN, but GLSEN mm-hmm. is the gay, lesbian, straight education network. They've come in and they're telling kids, you know, you be whoever you want to be, you know, your gender is fluid. You can be a girl on, you know, Monday and on Friday, if you decide you want to be a boy, mm-hmm. you can be a boy. And then Monday, if you want to go back to being a girl, well, that would be fine. But these kids have no identity. And so now they're having these experts, you know, quote unquote, and they have these experts feeding this into them day after day, Mm -hmm. week after week, month after month for their whole education, telling them that this is what is truth. And God's word is not true. They're teaching everything contrary to the word of God. And then you've got the public school system debunking what parents are teaching their kids at home. Right. And parents are trying to say, but God's word is true. That is the only truth. That is our foundation. And it's this war. It's this battle between atheism basically, and, and socialism and humanism and all of the, the secular worldviews versus a biblical worldview. And those two worlds are colliding right now in mm-hmm. a very, very big way. Then you bring CRT into it, mm-hmm. which I mean, that, it, that has been kind of the latest hot topic, you know, that kind of started last year in the school system. And this year they're trying to implement all this critical race theory with schools. And, and really, I just want to just say, you know what, but you guys were created by God, you know, Psalm 139, 13 and 14 says, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Yeah. They're not teaching that in the schools. No. They're not teaching that in the magazines. They're not teaching that on social media. They're not teaching that in on any of these platforms. And so girls are being left confused. They're depressed. They have nothing but feelings of inadequacy in every yeah. way. And, yeah. um, and it's really doing a lot of damage to them. Let me just back up a little bit because I know you grew up in California outside of LA. Yep. Yep. And so you would have been in school in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Were you in public school in the eighties? Uh, you know, California? I went to private school, went to private school. Okay. My, most of my life. I went to public school one year. Okay. And in, in because, seventh grade, because in the eighties in California, mm-hmm. self-esteem was taught. Right. And that's, that's where it all started. 
right? right. And so the state of California in the 1980s decided that if they taught self-esteem as part of the curricula, then it would solve all of these quote unquote societal ills right. that kids would stop being depressed. They would stop being anxious. They would stop committing suicide. They would stop getting pregnant as teenagers. They would stop all these things, criminal behavior. It would all go away if everyone felt good about themselves. Right. And I talk about this and compared to who I've devoted a whole chapter to it because right now, if you go on Google and you Google, how do I fix my body image issues? Mm-hmm. Like 2 million entries will come up for self-esteem, right. but the state of California actually debunked self-esteem with its own work because it didn't work. They started right. teaching self-esteem in the schools. And what happened, all of those things that they were trying to like the, the rates of all of these things, they were trying to reduce, they all increased. Everything got worse when we turned the focus on you're a special snowflake. Right. You're incredible. Right. right. And so so that was kind of the start for our generation yeah. of self-focus and, oh, I'm confused. Oh, I have identity issues. Oh, I'm supposed to feel really good about myself, but I don't really feel good about myself. And I'm not really sure how to reconcile that. And even for Christian women, which is who my audience is, like yeah. you guys feel this, right? Yep. Because you know the truth of scripture, you know, you're fearfully and wonderfully made, you know, God looks to the heart and yet you still feel that pressure of, oh, but I still don't feel that way. Like it's not true for me. Oh, wait, what does that mean? No, it is true for you. And I think that's where it's awful. And a part of that is, yes. is the definition of truth, right? Like I was yeah. driving behind someone yesterday and they had the bumper sticker. I live in Austin, Texas. Okay. So we're keeping it weird <laughs> down here. And they had, they had the bumper sticker that said like, live your truth. And it's like, well, right. wait, if you have a truth and if I have a truth, one of us isn't true. Right. Right. <laughs> right. According to the definition of truth, or at least right. what truth used to be defined as it's gone cray cray and the transgender stuff. Yeah. So I was, I, I ordered a book by Abigail Schreier on this because I, I want, I really want to interview her. I don't know. She's written a book on it, but she had an article in, in a major publication talking about how like girls, when we were teenagers, girls would have anorexia together. Basically you'd all decide to starve yourself together. And then like, right after us, that generation started cutting, right. They would get, that was a thing, you know, for probably 10 years after us. And now girls decide to be boys together. Like that, that, that is the newest group contagion is the word she used that like, we're going to all transition together. Yvette, this is, It's so dangerous. (laughs) Oh, hey, it's November, the month when many of us think about giving and supporting our favorite causes. If this podcast or ministry has blessed you, compared to who could use your sponsorship for the year ahead, there are several ways to give. You can donate through Patreon or you can use the Buy Me a Coffee program. Even a gift of $5 helps. Go to comparetowho.me slash podcast and scroll to the bottom for all the links you need to support the show. And hey, if giving money is your thing, no problem. Leave a review. Those five-star reviews are as good as gold. Thanks so much for considering. I'm grateful for you. Yvette, it's overwhelming. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and, and that is exactly what happened is because we've, it, here's the thing. Satan is very clever. Mm. This is not by mistake. This mm. has been generations of indoctrination going on in the public schools and it is a spiritual attack. That's all it is. It's really a spiritual attack. It's, it's, it's Satan teaching girls to take the focus off of God and put the focus onto themselves. And it sounds so nice. Like, mm-hmm. you know, be good to yourself, take care of yourself, 
you know, do you do what's right for you. And I'm not saying that, you know, we, as women shouldn't care for ourselves. Obviously we can, our body is a temple of the Holy spirit. We are called to take good care of our bodies, but there, there has to be a balance there where it's not all about me, 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 you know, you, you remember the phrase me, me, me. And did I mention me? Well, that's kind of what it came down to was that we were so focused on me and we forgot to take our gaze off of ourselves and put our gaze on the Lord, or we never even learned that in the first place, right? Because that's just how we grew up. And, and it's absolutely true. I mean, I, I, like I said, I think Satan is very clever in his attack on women, because when you get a hold of a woman, when you get a hold of a mom and you help, you, you know, you cause her to feel inadequate in every way, whether it's her looks or her knowledge or her intellect or her, whatever it is, we all have those parts of our, our life that we just feel completely inadequate. It's hard to raise up this next generation mm. to have their focus and gaze where it needs to be on the Lord right. when we're struggling with that ourselves. And, um, and so, yeah, I, I think it's important for us to realize first and foremost, where our focus needs to be, which of course yeah. is on Christ. Yeah. Just thinking about the women that I've worked with, that I've coached and myself personally, like if you are in your own personal battle with this body image and food stuff, cause food, I mean, we are in an awesome series on food and we're getting back to that soon. But when that stuff consumes you in your head mm-hmm. and the thoughts of, am I good enough? What do I need to make myself yeah. more? Like, I think I should be, you know, that that's its own world. <laughs> right. Right. And, and it's difficult when you're trying to take care of your own junk to also be like, and now I got to raise kids and I got to raise girls. And how do I raise girls when I've still got, like, I still haven't figured out how to be a girl myself, right? <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> like all of, all of that stuff, it can be so overwhelming. And I think, I think part of what happens to us as parents, like you said, this is, this is a ploy and an intentional attack of the enemy is we withdraw in our role as our kids, teachers, and mm-hmm. disciplers, yep. right? Because we're like, oh, I got so much junk going on. Maybe right. someone else can help them. I'm not right. sure I can. And I'm not good enough to do it. Right. And that's not biblical <laughs> and it's not helpful. <laughs> There's a verse in Luke that, that you mentioned in, in a movie you're part of that we'll talk about more in a little bit, but it talks about being our kid that the, the, the student follows yeah. the teacher. Right. Do you know what yeah. verse I'm talking about? Yes. You're talking about Luke six forty, and it actually says a, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. And that doesn't mean necessarily teacher standing in front of a classroom doing, you know, math problems on a board. It's anyone who is teaching your child, anything, whatever influence they have on there, but the one who teaches them the most is the one who's going to have the most influence on them. And so of course, if your children are in school and they're being taught by their public school teachers, or even oftentimes private school teachers, we have to look at who's teaching them. Who's Mm -hmm. having the greatest influence on them. Yeah. Is it someone else who may love your child and may really actually care about them, but they don't know your child like you do. They don't care for your child like you do, but mom does. And so when mom and dad have the greatest influence on their kids, it goes back to Luke 640. When everyone's fully trained, he will be like his teacher. So who's teaching our kids? 
Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's not like nothing against teachers. Like I think that they're amazing right. teachers listening to the show. Absolutely. And if you are in the public school, you are a missionary. Okay. Amen. You are a warrior. You <laughs> like, are the salt and light. Yeah. You need a prayer covering you every day. Like yep. send me an email so I can pray for you because you have it. Yes. Hard, okay. So this is not about teachers. This is about right. a system. And, and I'll tell you that when I was in graduate school, in uh, 1997. Yes. I think that's what it was. 1997. We had to read the National Education Association's bylaws. Uh, Okay. Now, I don't know how many of y'all listening remember 1997, but 1997 was a different time. Okay. Murphy Brown may have just had a baby (laughs) without it, without a father on TV. Like that was kind of a big deal, right? Like, but beyond that, we weren't too edgy. I don't even know if Ellen had come out by 1997. I don't think so. But I remember reading in the National Education Association bylaws in 1997, the agenda of the National Education Association was to deconstruct the family yep. and to promote the transgender, the all of the things that we are seeing today. They planned this oh, yes. long before any of us even knew it was a thing. Right. Yep. <laughs> so, so this is intentional and this is a system. So it's not about you teachers. This is about a system that if you're working in, you are, you're a missionary, but then to what else we were talking about event, let's kind of just transition a little bit. I do feel like there is another way and it's the way that you and I both go and that's homeschooling. And I know some of you want to turn it off right now. Do not turn the show off yet. Give us a chance because (laughs) here's the thing. The number one reason I hear moms tell me, oh, I can never do that. Or you probably get this too. Like, I don't know how you do that. Like, oh, I can never do that. I can never be at home all day with my kids. But, but I think that part of that is that what we just talked about the enemy convincing us that we are not good enough to train our children, that we are not equipped enough to teach our children. And it's just not true. Right. What have you seen? Talk to me about that. Oh, absolutely. You know, we just, spent the last few years filming a documentary on homeschooling called Schoolhouse Rocked, the homeschool revolution. And I've had a lot of people ask me, you know, what was the one thing that you discovered in filming this documentary? And without fail, I can say the one thing that has been the most eye-opening to me was that every single mom, no matter where she is in her motherhood, in her education, every single mom that we've talked to, except for one, and I'll tell you that she was an exception. I'll tell you why in a minute, but everyone feels inadequate to teach Mm -hmm. her kids. And here's the thing. We are not inadequate to teach our kids. Society has caused us to believe that we are, Mm -hmm. but the Holy spirit tells us that we're not the Lord tells us we, we are the best teacher for our kids. And so the greatest thing is that I'm not adequate enough to teach my kids. I'm really not. Mm -hmm. I hated school growing up. I was not a good student. I couldn't wait for school to end. And so I said, I'd never homeschool because, you know, I had all the right reasons, of course, (laughs) in my mind. But as I started, my my girls were getting a little bit older. My oldest one was getting into kindergarten. And I was like, well, uh, what are we going to do? We're in LA County and we can't put her in these public schools. We just weren't comfortable with that. And so we started talking about homeschooling and the Lord completely changed our hearts about that. And what I have discovered over the last 11 years of homeschooling my kids is that through the work of the Holy spirit, he makes me adequate enough. Mm -hmm. He fills in all the gaps. And the greatest thing about that, Heather, is that in the end, when my girls are done and graduated and out of my home, I'm never going to be able to look back and say, look at what an amazing mom I was. Look at what an amazing teacher I was. Mm -hmm. I'm only going to be able to say, look what the Lord did 
through my obedience and my willingness to say yes to them. You know, we often talk about Esther. I love the story of Esther. I love the story of Mary, the mother of Jesus. And I love those two women in the Bible because they are both women who were just ordinary women. There was nothing special about them. I mean, you, I mean, obviously they were special because they were called by the Lord, but before, you know, they had this great calling on their lives. I mean, Esther, she was not royalty. She was just a beautiful young woman and God used her and her bravery to save the whole Israelite nation, which of course then led to the birth of Christ. And then he used Mary to birth the savior who has then gone on to save the entire world. They were no one special. They were just people. And I promise you, they both felt inadequate. Yeah. But you look at their responses and both of them were like, okay, yes, I'm willing to say yes. And, you know, Esther says, if I die, I die. And sometimes mm-hmm. I feel like that in homeschooling. If I mm-hmm. die, I die. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Algebra is about to kill me, but <laughs> that's an aside. <laughs> we, we actually, we actually got an algebra tutor this year. Cause yeah. I was like, and we're done. <laughs> I can no longer do this math thing, but God uses inadequate people he has always used inadequate people. You look at David, you look at Daniel, you look at all of the people throughout history. One of my favorite people, you know, people will ask that question, like, who do you want to meet when you get to heaven? Mm-hmm. Corey Ten Boom, Esther, wow. Mary, mm-hmm. and Corey Ten Boom. Like mm-hmm. those would be my three top yep. women yep. that I just want to give them a big hug. And Betsy Ten yeah. Boom too, of course, Corey's sister. Yeah. I want to give them all a big hug and just say, thank you. Thank yeah. you for the impact you made for God's kingdom. And that's yeah. really what this all comes down to is we are not adequate. We cannot do this on our own, but God will do his work through us because our kids are worth it. Right. Number one thing I think I hear is, well, I can't homeschool because I don't want to ruin my relationship with my kid and being their teacher. And this one I've been stewing over because someone said it to me not too long ago. I've been stewing Mm. over it. And I watched your documentary this weekend and it's awesome, by the way. And we'll talk more about that at the end. But I was like, you know what? That's not a biblical thing to say. Right. Because we are commanded to be our kid's teacher. Now, whether or not you want to dissect it and say you have to teach your kids algebra, I don't think so, right? Like we, my kids are in an algebra class too. It's just the homework that's killing me. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, but we are commanded to teach our kids. And that goes beyond just dropping them off at youth group or dropping them off in their class on Sunday mornings. Like if that's the only Bible education, if that's the only teaching you're doing for your kids every week, it is going to be hard to combat the 40 hours a week they're getting of what secular culture wants to teach them. Yeah. It's so interesting because over the last few years, I've realized something about that specific reservation that people have to, to homeschooling because people will often say to me, oh, I could never stand to be with my kids all day long. And then you see all the memes that come in at the end of the summer, moms toasting each other and cheering because their kids are going back to school. And it breaks my heart to see that Mm -hmm. because what I have realized is that typically the reason that parents think that the reasons that parents do not like to be around their children is because they're not the ones raising them. Mm -hmm. When your kids are being left, like you said, for 40 hours a week in a system that is, you know, completely opposed to everything biblical. They're opposed to the family. They're opposed to relationship. They're there to basically train them up with their worldview and indoctrinate them with their ideals. Those kids are being raised by someone else. Mm -hmm. And so of course you don't like your kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, some parents do, 
but a lot don't because they're not the ones raising them. And I think if we would just take back the education in the upbringing of our children, it would change our relationship with them for the better. It would change culture for the better. You look at where our nation is and our families are falling apart. Kids are falling apart. The suicide rate, as you know, has skyrocketed. I mean, over the last several years, but even more so through COVID Mm -hmm. because people are so disillusioned. They don't even know what is happening in our world and they have no foundation. There's no foundation there. And so, you know, for me, I love the time that I get to spend with my girls. And it doesn't mean we don't have hard days. Of course we have hard days. There are days where I'm like, I'm out. Mom's going for a drive. Mom's going to the store and you're not coming. You know, we have days like that, of course, but more than that, we have times where, you know, my, my girls will ask me, you know, can you please take me on a date tonight? I just want to spend some time with you. I have a almost 16 year old. And just this morning she was like, mom, I just really want to spend time with you. Like, can we play a game together or something? I was like, absolutely. I would love that. Yeah. So we sat down and played taco cat, goat cheese, pizza. I don't know if you played that game. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, but you know, it's, I have a relationship with my girls that I, I am certain I wouldn't have. Yeah. And because of that, I know them. I know the struggles they have. I know their insecurities mm-hmm. and I can talk through it and work through these things yeah. with them. And I'm not relying on someone else to do that for me. Yeah. What I noticed when I first, so we've been homeschooling since first grade. So we're on year this, I guess this is year 10 for us too. Um, or maybe I'm right behind you. Maybe it's year nine. Um, (laughs) but when I pulled my son out and, and I tell people who are new to homeschooling this all the time, there's a detox period. Yes. Because when you put your children in school, you have to surrender your authority to yes. the school system, right? Because yes. you tell your children, you would obey your teacher. Well, what did your teacher tell you to do? Well, what does your teacher want from you? Teacher, 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 teacher. And you re- are telling your kids that the teacher is the authority. Right. And then they come home from that. And it's not an easy transition after they've been, you know, under the teacher's authority for eight hours to come back to your authority. Then there's this confusion. Well, who's really in charge? Whose voice is really louder? And so I tell new homeschooling families that there's a detox period where you're kind of having to like reteach them. No. Okay. What mom says is true. Like I'm the authority, but I know, and I'm going to get emotional, like retelling a story. My oldest uh, is 15. He's a freshman this year. So we pulled him out October of first grade. Mm. Okay. And he was not a hugger. He was not a touchy kid. Um, he was having some anxiety issues, which we didn't know were anxiety issues. Really. We pulled him out because he had stopped loving learning. He was bored. His teacher told us that he was, you know, done with his assignment 30 minutes before everyone else, but he got really nervous testing. So he never tested well enough to be in gifted and honors. And I think that was a blessing for us too, because there might've been a temptation for us to like pursue that path if that had worked out, but that wasn't an option for him. And he was bright. He was doing well on everything, but he just had developed these nervous habits and I just, something wasn't right. And so I had a very sneaky friend invite us to the playground and she had boys that were exact same age as mine. And I watched her kids go play on the playground and then come back and read for a little bit and go play on the playground and come back to a picnic table and do some math. And her kids were smiling and happy and free and joyful. And then I went and picked up my kids from the public school. My daughter was in kindergarten. My son was in first grade. And they were like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, nothing, no words, exhausted, yeah 
grumpy. And, and that was a point where I was like, you know what? I want that for my children, but Oh, my story, I could just talk about home. I'm dangerous. <laughs> um, but my son was not a touchy kid. And I remember it took about two months of homeschooling and we were sitting on the couch reading and he never wanted to get close enough to touch. And one day two, maybe even three months in, he came over and, and like snuggled into me. Hmm. And he was like, let's read this together, mom. And I was just like, oh, wow. Okay. This I've gotten him back. I had lost him, but I've gotten him back. You know, I share that just to encourage anyone that if you feel like you lost your kids, you can, you can get it back. (laughs) You can bring them back. It's going to take some time and some effort and some adjustment and homeschooling is not always easy, but it's a great option. I mean, I, I feel like sometimes I'm a better evangelist for homeschooling than I am for Jesus. Like that's just my confession (laughs) because I love it so much. So Yvette, tell us more about this movie and some of the things that you found out about homeschooling and some of the truths that you tried to reveal about homeschooling through the film. I want to just mention something real quickly, because as you were talking about, you know, just getting your son back and thinking about how our kids react to homeschooling. One of the things that I've learned as well, and partly through the making of this film is a lot of kids today, especially deal with a lot of depression and social anxiety and things like that. I'm going to take a little bit of a detour here because one of the things that I've learned is that sleep is really important Mm. for humans, Mm -hmm. but it's really important for growing children. You know, my girls as pretty much all siblings are, my girls are complete polar opposites when it comes to just about everything. My youngest, she could she could live, literally live each day off of about five hours of sleep Mm -hmm. and be completely energetic and ready to go for the day. And she just doesn't, she, you know, stop napping at two and she just doesn't need a lot of sleep. My 15, almost 16 year old, she has always required a lot of sleep always. And she's the one that I will let her sleep until nine or 10 o'clock in the morning. Easy. Because if Mm -hmm. I tried to wake her up at six or seven o'clock in the morning, to take her to school or to be on a school bus, she would be a disaster. She would not know how to function in life. And so it's one of the greatest benefits that even for her mental health, Mm -hmm. she has the ability and the freedom to sleep when she needs to sleep when her body actually requires her to sleep. Testify. Yeah. (laughs) So my oldest, my oldest son, and then my two younger boys, they were diagnosed with breathing issues, sleep apnea. Yeah. So a level of sleep apnea, right. Okay. But it's, um, it's like some sort of sleep disturbed breathing issues. Okay. So they don't get good sleep period. And as we were kind of going down the, like, here are some of the, the repercussions of this disorder. It was like, you know, poor grades, ADD, ADHD, yeah. you know, all of these mental health issues, like just a, a litany of issues related to, they don't get good sleep. And, and my husband and I were just like, well, praise God. Like we don't have to wake them up. Right. Like they get to sleep until they're ready to wake up because if we had to wake them up, I mean, and I don't know how many parents would even know, right. Oh, you know, this, all these issues we're having are just because they don't get that extra two or three hours of sleep every right. day. Like, I don't, I don't know that we would have known that. Yeah. Right. But, but fortunately, because of, you know, the timing of everything, we were already homeschooling them. And that was a yeah. big issue, but it's really important for, for yes, people to it know. absolutely is. So, okay. Tell us about Schoolhouse Rock. Schoolhouse Rocked. It is a feature length documentary all about homeschooling, all about home education and family discipleship. That's really what it comes down to. And the movie 
kind of follows our family. We, we have kind of a crazy story. Um, in a nutshell, we left California five years ago. We sold our house. We sold everything in it. And we loaded up in a small travel trailer and we started traveling to film this documentary because we really wanted to get a very broad perspective of what home education was across the country, not just in our little bubble in California. And um, God was gracious to just provide us with an incredible cast of people to interview for this movie. And we've got people from, you know, Heidi St. John and Ken Ham to your just very ordinary homeschool mom like myself. And so it's really fun to just talk through all of these interviews, kind of see our journey. And the movie's not about our journey, really. It's just about us. We took the journey to answer all the questions. And so the movie really debunks all of the misconceptions that people have about home education because they were all the misconceptions we had. And so it answers the questions of what about socialization? What about salt and light? What about the single mom? What about the parent who has a child who has some sort of a learning disability or physical disability? How do we homeschool them? What is dad's role in the home when it comes to, you know, homeschooling and family discipleship? And really it's a call to parents to open up their eyes, just like ours were opened up 11 years ago. And to see the beauty and the benefits of homeschooling our kids and having them home and and all of the benefits that come along with that, not just academically. I mean, the academics are important, but that's just part of their childhood. Mm -hmm. There's so much more to homeschooling than the academics because it really is a lifestyle. I mean, you're teaching them everything as we've been talking about, you know, for the past several minutes, it has everything to do with their upbringing. Mm -hmm. It's who they become as people. How did God create them? You know, what did God create them to be? And we get to be the ones who get to foster that in them and see what their strengths and their weaknesses are. And it's such a privilege that we have to be able to foster those things in them and to strengthen them where they're weak and to help them figure out they are fearfully and wonderfully made for what purpose. And how can we figure this out together as a family? And how can we use your gifts and talents to impact God's kingdom, because that's really what it comes down to. That's what it's all about. You know, when our kids come face to face with the Lord, he's never going to say to them, how did you do on your algebra test on (laughs) October 2nd, you know, 2020, he doesn't care about that stuff. He cares that they do their best, but he doesn't care if they're not strong in math. What he cares about is, are they using what he's given them to impact his kingdom? And so really that's our take on home education is really coming alongside our kids, helping them to realize who God made them to be. And then using those strengths to serve him the best that they can. And so it's academics, it's raising them to be God fearing adults. It's raising them to impact the world. It's raising them to be prepared for their families. You know, I have, again, in having, you know, two different girls, I've got one who loves academics and I have one who literally cannot wait to be married and have babies. Mm -hmm. That's just the way that God created them. And I love that. And so my academic one, you know, we run with it and we work hard on her academics because it's what she wants. It's how she's wired. My other one, we work on academics, of course, but she also works at a bakery one day a week and she loves it because she loves homemaking. Mm -hmm. You know, she babysits and she is really preparing to be a homemaker and a mom. The movie really opens up parents' eyes to what homeschooling is, answers every question just about, I won't say everyone, because, you know, I mean, someone could come up with a question. I'm certain that we have an answer. (laughs) But the most common questions and reservations that people have about homeschooling, and we bring that encouragement, you know, to the mom who is homeschooling, we validate her decision to do that. Mm -hmm. And then we come alongside those who are on the fence or thinking about it and just disillusioned, you know, with what actually is being taught in the public schools and the damage that's being done to kids. And they know that they need a way out, but they don't know what to do. They have no idea 
what other options there are. And so this movie answers those, it brings the encouragement that they need. And then we have a bunch of resources as well. Of course, you know, like you mentioned, we have a podcast, it's called the the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast. It's all about homeschooling. And we have a homeschool survival kit that people can download off of our website. And so we really work to uh, just encourage and equip parents to disciple the hearts of their children. It's really enough to raise kids that love God and are committed to Jesus. And that's really what they need to carry them through more than great test scores. And, yeah. and I mean, and the truth is, and you're documenting talks about this kids that are homeschooled actually have the great test scores too, because sure. their parents have the ability to cater their education exactly to them. But yes. I am, I'm a working mom. Like I'm a homeschool mom, but man, I, I work like 35 hours a week, at least some weeks, 70. Okay. So you can do it. Even yes. if you're a working mom, if you have a little bit of flexibility, there's, there's so many different things that you guys talk about in the documentary. And so I just encourage you, if you've written off homeschooling, maybe you wrote it off because you tried to do it during COVID. Let me tell you, that was not homeschooling. <laughs> that was some sort of hell like combination <laughs> of public school at home. Like yes. I, I don't own a de- denim jumper. Do you own a denim jumper? I, I do. I'm wearing a denim jacket right now, oh, but yeah. I don't own a denim jumper. Yeah. So I, I wrote, I wrote this. Article. I do drive a minivan though. Oh, I, yeah, me too. <laughs> but um, I wrote this article years ago about like homeschooling without a denim jumper. Right. Cause it's like, nice. there's so many of those like thoughts and ideas right, in our heads, right. the stereotypes and they're not what it is. It's yes. really fantastic. So yeah. uh, I hope everyone will watch this movie. And if you're already homeschooling, you'll be encouraged by it. But if you're not, Hey, it's Thanksgiving break. Ask your kids what they believe is true. Start having some hard conversations, find out what they're learning at school. I mean, I live in Leander ISD, which has been in the news because the books that they are required to read in early high school are straight up pornographic. And I have read some of them and I like am scarred forever just by reading it to find out what was in it. (laughs) Like that's how bad it was. There is the, the transgender thing is really big here. You have to state your pronouns before class starts. And in kindergarten in some schools. Well, and then the planned parenthood thing. Oh my word. So like I write for CareNet, which is a crisis pregnancy organization, a national uh, organization of crisis pregnancy centers. And I did research on planned parenthood, writing the sex ed curricula. I did research on that years ago. Like this is all a plot and a ploy like Planned Parenthood wants to be in the schools. Yes. So your kids will be sexually active yes. and then your kids will need an abortion. And guess who makes yep. money off of that? Planned Parenthood. Yep. I mean, it's, it's not innocent. And no. so if, if your eyes have been open to this for the first time, friends, I take this opportunity, find out what your kids are, are learning and about these kind of things, not about yeah other stuff, but find out what they're really learning. Yeah. I just, I was thinking of a verse that came to my mind as you're talking and I'm thinking about John 10, 10, it says the Mm. thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And I love that verse because really that first part of it is the the thief, you know, Satan, he comes to steal, steal, kill and destroy. He wants to destroy us as people and he's doing everything he can to destroy us individually and then destroy the family. But God came that we may have life and have it abundantly. And there's so much abundance to have. There's so many good things that can come out of a life in service to Christ. I want to say one thing really quickly, because I never want anyone to think that I have this misconception myself about homeschooling. Homeschooling is not the gospel. It mm-hmm. is not what saves our kids. Right. The Holy Spirit is what saves our kids, yep. having a relationship with him. But homeschooling is the best way to point our kids to Jesus when they are with us day in and day out. 
and we have that influence over them. And so it's just a, a, it's a fantastic way to raise up this next generation of warriors that we need. Yeah. You don't have to homeschool, but you just have a whole lot harder if you don't, right? because you've got to unteach what's being taught for 40 hours a week. So my heart is just for you to be aware for you to know what your kids are learning and what's going on around them in the schools. If you haven't been aware already. And I bet I appreciate you so much being on the show today and where can everyone connect with you? schoolhouserocked.com, R-O-C-K-E-D. It's schoolhouserocked.com. The movie's available now. People can go on the website. They can purchase a download there. You know, a lot of people are doing watch parties, which is really fun. So they're inviting their friends and family over or neighbors and watching it together, um, which is exciting. And then people can also do group showings of it as well. So a lot of churches are showing it and, you know, homeschool co-ops, things like that. So, uh, but yeah, schoolhouserocked.com. That's where you can find the movie, the podcast and all things Schoolhouse Rocked. Awesome. And they can follow Schoolhouse Rocked on Facebook. Your Facebook page, you post a lot of interesting things about what's going on in yes. the public school system. You are a good curator yes. of, oh my. <laughs> yes, content. yes. So, um, so yeah, you can follow there too. Great. Well, Yvette, thank you so much for oh, being on you, the Heather. show for this important Absolutely. conversation. And thank you for listening today. I hope something in today's episode has helped you stop comparing and start living. Bye-bye. Hey friend, would you check out the date on that episode you just listened to? Yeah, it's been a minute. Listening to old podcasts is almost like reading my diary from several years ago. In some cases, it's even a little embarrassing. So instead of listening straight through season by season, can I encourage you to skip ahead? I release brand new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. And if you're not sure where to start, you can go to improvebodyimage.com, find the start here button, and I've got several episodes listed and categorized so you can find the topics that are of most interest to you. Your time is valuable, so skip straight to the good stuff. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for letting me be a part of your body image and food freedom journey. If you're tired of parenting advice and news headlines that are more confusing than assembling IKEA furniture, we've got just the podcast for you. My dear friend Abby and I are here to help you navigate the parenting roller coaster. Should your kids be on social media? What should you tell a friend facing an unplanned pregnancy? These are just some of the many questions we tackle on our podcast. Subscribe to The Real Deal of Parenting wherever you find your podcast.